DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. PK, a what? melancholy Friday if there ever was one. A melancholy Friday. Ah, the legendary John Lennon would have been 80 years old today. It's assassinated in New York at the age of 40. Who knows how things would have shaken out, but if everything had broken right, be having an 80th birthday party for the legend John Lennon today. Which brings us to the question, what can you imagine for your team? Well, obviously, back in the day, you would have imagined a championship. Now you just imagine the ship. Utes, Cougars, Aggies, Jazz, what can you imagine? I'll tell you what I can imagine. Yeah? I can imagine everything. In order to achieve it, you got to believe it. True story. It doesn't come out of nowhere, does it? Uh, came out of nowhere. I can't believe this happened to me. No. No, you worked at it for a long time. That's why I just completely reject your assertion that luck is involved. Yeah. Uh, I don't think luck is involved at all. Luck is involved. Name me one team that won it all where luck was involved. The Spurs got the number one pick in the lottery and got Tim Duncan, and the Celtics had two... Uh, picks in the lottery that year, and uh, neither one of them came up number one. Right. So that was luck. And then, and so, and they drafted crappy guys. So how do you know if they wouldn't have drafted the right guys, they wouldn't have won titles? They didn't draft guys who were worthy of their picks. If they had had, if they'd gotten the number one pick, they would have picked Tim Duncan because everybody would have picked Tim Duncan. They would have had the you right guy. Didn't guys. need Tim Duncan to win a title, though, my friend. That's the point. The Spurs didn't need Tim Duncan to win a title. Is t- did Tim Duncan win every title? He won five of them. Right. So that means there's plenty of other titles that you could have won. Yes, the Spurs needed Tim Duncan, but I'm talking about the other teams. Just because you don't have Tim Duncan doesn't mean you can't win a title because he only won five of them, and he played for over 15 years. So the reality is he lost more than he won, which is every single player who's ever played. And if you would have drafted correctly, it's not who you don't have, it's who you have. And if you would have drafted correctly, instead of taking Billups, who never developed, and I think they took Ron Mercer, who wasn't worthy of the three and the sixth pick. And I have to go back and check all this off the top of my head. We're going way back, because I knew you were going to bring up Duncan. And the Spurs, yeah, they they made a conscious decision, as you would say, to suck the year before to get in the position. So that wasn't luck. Yes, to a degree, it was a luck that they drew the number one pick. I understand that. But there were plenty of other titles to win. Other teams won titles while Tim Duncan was playing NBA basketball. And if the Celtics, who's to say, if they wouldn't have made correct moves, then they wouldn't have had to wait from the end of Bird to when they got Garnett and Pierce and Ray Allen. So I reject that. Absolutely I reject it. Well, the Spurs still got lucky and they got five titles. So you want an example with luck? There it is. Again, I don't think it was luck. Because they sucked to begin with to get themselves in the position. And I can also argue, how many did they win without Ginobili and Parker? Well, zero. And that wasn't luck that they got those guys. Mm, They won one without Parker. They might have won one without Ginobili, too. 1999, Parker wasn't there in 99. I think that was the Robinson. It was a short season. 
and they had Robinson. So I'll another make, lucky I'll, number one pick. I'll give you. I'll give. Yeah. Well, they they <laughs> took him one. years before they knew he was going to be available. Exactly. I was like, it was a hope and a prayer that he was going to be good to go. You can overcome without luck. So what can you imagine for your team on John Lennon's 80th birthday? Well, I think for the Cougars, you have to imagine getting into a P5, man. That'd be nice. It has to happen. It has to happen. Absolutely, it has to happen. For the Utes, you know, for a long time it was a basketball school and that was a priority, but now they want a Pac-12 title and a trip to the playoff. Preferably in a year like this year when the playoff puts you in the Rose Bowl. You got a one in three shot of hitting on that. Mm, yeah, the, the playoff, that's somebody voting you in. Screw that. As long as you have the title, then you're either playoff or Rose Bowl, unless you're both. If you go, uh, let's see, so that would be you play 12, 13, 14 games. And you go thirteen and one, and you're not in the playoff, and you win the Rose Bowl. I give the playoff the double middle finger. <laughs> Jersey PK shows up. Double birds for everyone. Because it's a beauty contest at that point, and if somebody decides you're not beautiful enough, well, I here's here's your beauty right here. If you go thirteen and one, and win the Rose Bowl. That's the most successful season you will have ever had. Take it. You'll so be that's very, what you should imagine. You'll be very happy. Yeah. And they didn't let you come into their ACC Clemson slash SEC playoff slash Ohio State playoff. Yeah, I put my four fingers down on my Adam's apple. And all the way up <laughs> past my chin. And I'm doing it right now. Well, David Shaw's had a really good run at Stanford, and they've had a couple of 12-2 and two teams that have won Rose Bowls, and so they got left out of the playoff because of the two losses. But I'm thinking at the end of the Rose Bowl, when you've won and you've beaten Iowa or whoever, I know they beat Iowa, I don't know who else they beat, um, you're pretty happy. I don't, think you're, I don't think you're feeling down about anything. You're static. Yeah. I've been there. I can yeah. speak from experience. The sun is setting, and you've just spent – the entire day in Pasadena because you got there way early and you wanted to soak every second of it up. I have done that exact same thing, and they won. It was a different era back then. I get it. Uh, but you won that ball game in the most glorious, the most glorious setting in all of sports is January 1, Pasadena, and you're playing in the granddaddy. There literally is nothing better. Because you're playing in that national championship game. It's at night. It's in some sterile environment. You don't even really know where you're at. But when you turn on the television at 2.30 our time and you see that, you know exactly what it is. There is zero confusion. Because it's always been. And it always will be. And it is simply the best. Oh, my gosh. 
I wish it for you someday that you would experience the joy that I've experienced. Feeling it on top of the world. Yeah, I was so fortunate that the Devils have only been there twice, and I had been living there working in Los Angeles. I don't know if I would have gone if I had been in Arizona, but I wasn't. And I had recently, I think it was a year or so earlier, I had just moved over there. And to think that they did it, oh my, you talk about the the forces (laughs) coming together. It happened. Holy freak, it was sweet. And we're going back a long time. But I'm looking at a hat that I got hanging in my room, and it says Arizona State Rose Bowl. Yes. Yes. Meg Ryan, yes. Yes. Use the app. Give us your take. What do you want for your team? You know, for a long time, Weber State came very close to two Sweet 16s in the 90s. Got in the NCAA tournament, won a game, and had chances to take down uh, Georgetown, lost to the buzzer, Florida, lost an OT. But now I think everything's shifted. I think uh, they'd go for the natty for the football team. Like Utah, a school that's made the transition from basketball to football. What do Aggies want? Cougars want a Power 5 conference. Utes want that Pac-12 football title. Well, I guess for the Aggies, it would be a New Year's Day 6, like Boise, yeah. right? New Year's 6 and probably deep down in their heart, maybe a call up to the Power 5, too. Can you imagine if they got a New Year's... Well, they would never as a New Year's 6 get to the Rose. There'd be no way. I mean, I know TCU got in once out of the Mountain West, but... It's very rare that yeah. you have a non-traditional... Can you imagine power. if Utah State not, not only got to a New Year's 6, but got in a year where it broke their way and they ended up in the Rose? They beat both I think it would really, and Utah there. Yeah, it would really have to break your way. Well, you would need luck. You would. (laughs) Be more likely they'd end up in the Fiesta. But yeah, the Aggies would be fired up about that. They they would be very fired up about that. Well, I think it's possible. Sure. You should. Absolutely. Those are the things you should be dreaming of. I remember when Dave Rose got the job uh, and he said, I want to go to the Final Four. Well, Dave Rose is done coaching now. I think he's like 62, 63, turned 63 in a couple of months. And it didn't happen. All right. Didn't happen. But doesn't mean he was wrong to dream about it. It would have happened if they wouldn't have suspended, uh, what's his face, Brandon Davies. I absolutely believe it would have happened. But I think there's an argument he made that would he have gotten to a Sweet 16 if he hadn't been aiming for the Final Four. You know, sometimes you set a goal that seems outrageous, that seems too high, but then even if you miss it, you still achieve a pretty good level. And maybe you wouldn't have gotten to that level if that had been your goal. You know, maybe if his goal had been, we're going to get to the Sweet 16, uh, maybe we'd be sitting here talking about a team that got to the second round. You know, so. Now, at the same time, Dave, I remember him in, in the Cougar room at the stadium talking about it. He was all fired up about it. He had dreamed of being a head coach. He had labored to be a head coach, and he never thought, well, not never, but he thought that it wasn't going to come his way because I had conversations with about it, that he thought that he was tainted as a junior college coach, and junior college coaches uh, were viewed as renegades who were flipping with the rules. And <laughs> Thank you, Jerry Tarkanian. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it goes back to that yeah. for sure. And so, you know, that was something that really graded on him because it's a goal that he wanted. Now, he ended up achieving it through uh, circumstances at BYU, and he had a phenomenal coaching career, uh, and he didn't achieve that Final Four. But 
he set that goal. And then the thing about it is, okay, what used to get me under my skin about Todd Graham is you kept talking about it. You can talk about it too much. And Dave didn't talk about it too much. He mentioned it at that time very passionately. And then he went about going about to do it. I mean, you don't hear Kyle Whittingham talking about it a lot, right? He, he wants to do something Yeah, but it's it. so clear at this point we don't need to ask him. We know. I mean, what else is he going to say? Well, right, to get yeah. to this point, yeah. But as he was developing it, uh, you know, make no sure. excuses along the way. Those two five and seven seasons, I can tell you from firsthand experience, took a huge chunk out of him. I witnessed it. I literally witnessed it of him being exhausted hours after the games. Uh, and he just continued to, to, to work, work, work to get it. And that's what you should do, whatever it is that you're trying to come. I mean, it's, it's every single one of us in regular life. The truth is you're going to have far more setbacks than you're going to have successes when you think about it. So it's what you do when you have. You get kicked in the teeth. I can, I can recall, I've told the story, I, I, when, I, when I worked in California, when I went over there, I was working in news, and I was trying to get into sports, and I had a job offer, or not a job offer, a job interview with the uh, Los Angeles Daily News, and they, they sent me to get a physical. You're getting close at that point. Yes. They're pretty serious. I'm standing there in my underwear with the doctor. True story. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, this is a true story. I am standing in the doctor's room there with the doctor. I am in my underwear because he's giving me a physical and all that type of stuff. And he says, when do you start? <laughs> he knows what it means. Yeah, because that's it literally costs, his question. Because it costs money and they wouldn't spend the money on you unless they were serious. Yes, that's what he told I said, well, I haven't gotten the job. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're standing here in your underwear, dude. <laughs> you, got right? you got the job. Well, it turns out I didn't get the job. <laughs> what? I, yeah, after the doc told me, you're in, if you don't trust your doctor, who do you trust? Right? <laughs> I, I'm in my underwear at the same point. And sure enough, I didn't get the job. What a blow it was. Well, you don't roll over, man. You work harder, and I freaking worked harder, and here I am. Let me knock on wood. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Raiders and the Chiefs coming up Sunday, 11 a.m. You're going to hear it right here on The Zone Sports Network. You'll hear Brett Musburger on the call with Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln is going to join us next. Pac-12 Network Analyst and Raider Radio Analyst Lincoln Kennedy coming up next talking NFL and college football. Kyle Whittingham, Andy Ludwig, and Morgan Scally at 9 o'clock on the Utes. Brian Keel, the former Cougar, at 9.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Brian Fisher from Athlon Sports. Granted, the level of competition hasn't been great, but where are you at on the BYU hype train? I'm on the bandwagon. I don't know if I'm uh, right in the front seat, but I'm definitely closer to the front than a lot of people. I mean, look, we understand the level of competition and factor that in, but um, it's all about playing who's in front of you. And, and BYU has done that you know, quite well. You know, Yes, the focus is always going to be on Zach Wilson and, and the quarterback position and throwing the ball around, but I've been very impressed with it. 
defense. They, they have certainly taken care of business and, and done what they've needed to against some very different uh, style offenses. And, you know, really up front, um, you know, one of the strengths of the team has always been, you know, in the trenches. And, and I think they're, you know, certainly one of the better power five teams uh, in that respect. And, and we've seen that so far this year. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The Las Vegas Raiders-Kansas City Chiefs game this Sunday is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. And joining us now to talk Raiders and to talk Pac-12, Lincoln Kennedy. You hear him on the Raider radio broadcast right here on the Zone Sports Network with Brent Musburger. It'll be Sunday morning at 11. You see him on the Pac-12 Networks as a football analyst for several years now. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good. So I'm curious, The uh, you know, from a distance, we see all this news about uh, NFL teams and maybe they'll play and maybe they won't, and this game to Monday and maybe this game to Tuesday. How much does this throw players, and how much have they had the whole control the controllables preached at them to the point they're like, tell me what time kickoff is, I'll be there? Um, it's, it's, it's getting pretty bad. And the reason why it's getting pretty bad is because now you're starting to mess with other people's money, most notably the players and the teams that you're going to play. The NFL's got to get a hold of this right now. They've got to send out, you know, they've got to make sure that they're serious because as you guys know, you know, really, there's nothing bigger than the brand uh, that is the NFL, and, and it's too big of a juggernaut to really be stopped. But now, what the Tennessee Titans are doing is they're throwing off everyone else's schedules because I think their next opponent that they move to Tuesday is Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Well, Buffalo was supposed to play that Thursday, the same Thursday. So now that they got to move that game. You see what I'm saying? The, the, the domino effect that's coming from one team testing COVID uh, positive and shutting down is starting to have um, uh, ex- extenuating circumstances, is, is, starting to keep, uh, is starting to mess up other things. And so now it becomes trouble. And you might have to get to a point, to be honest with you guys, where um, you know, they're going to find them, obviously, and, and probably try to hold them accountable in other ways. But they might just have to start uh, um, uh, uh, forfeiting games to keep the schedule moving. And, and I think that's the next step. Wow, the forfeiture, forfeiture of games would be something that's unprecedented. Yeah, well, this uh, whole thing is unprecedented. Yeah. It really is. But there's, there's really, think about it, guys. There's no other way to get in front of it because you can't keep putting teams off, putting teams off. Now you're talking about moving a game to Tuesday. And even if the, even if the, 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 the team that you're playing was supposed to play on Sunday, that makes that hard. Yeah, but the forfeit thing, the thing I read about the forfeit, that goes back to your point about messing with other people's money. If the Titans have to forfeit, then the Bills players don't get paid one-sixteenth of their salary. That's exactly right. Somebody that's, making, when, that's when the, uh, yeah. the NFLPA is going to try to get involved right. and try to you know, just say you know, what they give them their game checks. But that's, that's what you're heading down right now. So the Raiders got the, the Chiefs scheduled. Yeah. It's always fascinated me at every level, the quarterback position. You see this from making the jump from high school to the pros to where, or excuse me, high school to college, to where some guys are hit, some guys are missed, and then you see it in the pros, and you got 
an opportunity to have the Raiders play Mahomes. And it's not like he was, uh, you know, a late-round pick because I think he was first. I mean, I think he was the 10th pick. But nine other teams passed on him, and some of those teams would have had a quarterback that maybe they didn't want to, to take over him. But why do you think it's so hard to judge the quarterback position in terms of who's going to pan out and who isn't? You know, one of the things that you do when you're a coach, especially an offensive-minded coach, is you try to look at guys who can best, you know, uh, support your system or what what you have in mind. And the thing was is that when, when they got Patrick Mahomes, they already had Alex Smith at quarterback. They knew he was aging, so they were looking for the future. And, 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 and Andy Reid had all the intentions in the world, like he did, to sit that quarterback and allow him to learn and process it. But you can't really, you can't really scout the intangible of confidence and ability. And the thing was is when Andy Reid put Patrick Mahomes on the field with the, the, the receivers and the, the people that he had around him, had no idea that he, the sky was going to become the limit. Patrick Mahomes gained confidence very early in his career, extremely early, when he thought he knew his, his abilities and what that offense could to, you know, just be a milestone. And it, wasn't, it didn't start off with you know, just all a bunch of fireworks, but he came in and realized what he could and could not do. The hardest thing about scouting, even with the eye test, is knowing how a guy is going to perform on the next level. There are times where guys play like men in college football, and then when they get to the next level, they can't get over being a boy. And, and that's, you, that, that's hard to quantify. Whether it's analytics, whether it's the eye test, however you come to it, it's hard to quantify. And that's why the quarterback position is the most difficult. Some guys in the quarterback position have to learn by fire. They have to take their lumps, and they've got to get beat up before they really get it. And a lot of times it's a coaching change and other things. But it's just there's not a, it's not a uh, consistent science or an exact science, I should say. Um, but you have to roll your hand in the dice. The thing is, for the Chiefs, they got a, they got a quarterback for the next 12 years. And for the Raiders, we got to see him twice a year every year <laughs> until he retires. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm a little curious about the Chiefs, as awesome as they've been. And I've said on this show multiple times, like Mahomes is the one quarterback to me, he's must see TV, and that's yeah. not to dump on uh, you know a handful of other Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, but Mahomes. There's just something about him; he's got it. But watching him this year, like the Chargers defended him pretty well. Now the Chiefs win at twenty three twenty, but twenty three is not an outrageous point total. The right. Patriots defended him pretty well. Now the Chiefs win twenty six ten. They had a defensive touchdown at the end of that game, also. So I'm wondering, in little bits and pieces here. Are they starting to catch up to the Chiefs a little bit? Or have I just set the bar too high and nobody gets to score 34 points every week and throw for 350 yards every week, so I need to just calm myself down? This is just life in the NFL. Well, life in the NFL this year especially has been scoring is up, offensive output is up, so you know it's not, it's not inconceivable to see that you know, a, a team like the Chiefs could have so much success. But I will say this. You know, it's hard to play at a high level of, uh, uh, you know, a, a performance every single week. There are times where you're going to have down weeks. There are times like with the Chargers, you know, the Chargers had the luxury of having uh, ability with the front four that could apply pressure. You could play coverage on the back end. What the, what the uh, Patriots did last week is they tried to rush three, they tried to rush two, they tried to double zone uh, their primary receivers and, and just create a cloud, if you will, that won't let anything over the top. 
But even still, Patrick Mahomes found a way to defeat that with his legs. The, I think Tennessee, if you go back to the AFC Championship game last year, you try to take a, t- a page out of Tennessee's uh, Titans book, um, you say, where did they go wrong? Well, to me, rushing three is not bad. Having a spy is not bad. However, you need to have a spy who can catch the guy he's spying. They, they, they defeats your purpose if the guy, if the quarterback can outrun your spy. So now you get into what we're talking, looking at maybe dime defenses, if you will. A lot of teams don't have the luxuries like the Chargers, where you have you know seven or eight good defensive backs slash safeties. Um, but you see teams are starting to catch up. So I've always thought offenses were like a year ahead of defenses, and if you play the same thing, eventually you're going to catch up and slow down. But – Look, you go back to the Baltimore game, and I think you know going into it statistically, it was Baltimore Ravens defense was the highest um, uh, static defense that the, the Chiefs had played. After Baltimore marched down the field and go scored that first touchdown, I honestly believe that Patrick Mahomes and, the, and Andy Reid and that staff were on the sideline like, okay, you guys want to play? Let's show you how we're going to play. And they turned it up. That's the problem that you have when you face the Chiefs. They have that ability to turn it up. So that rushing three is somewhat controversial. As an yeah. offensive lineman, which do you prefer? Oh, rush three all the time. I'd love life. Yeah, that's what I thought. But, but, but the <laughs> thing is, is for the Chiefs, if there's one weakness on their offense, it's their offensive line. Well, that's, <laughs> that's kind of a big problem, isn't it? Well, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the way you look at it. When, when people are chasing Patrick – Sometimes, just like Russell Wilson, he's at his best with improvising, right? Yeah. So when you think about the breakdown that you have with rushing three, the problem is that when you rush three, you're opening up lanes. Whether it's the outside or inside, you're opening up lanes. And so what Tennessee tried to do is they tried to have a spy. So if Patrick Mahomes scrambled and ran, that they could, they could tackle him. However, the spy couldn't catch Patrick Mahomes when it happened. So he used his legs to push the ball forward. And, and as you get closer to the goal line in the red zone, it becomes more difficult for the offense. It's be more of an advantage for the defense because um, if you're rushing three and you're dropping eight, then you've got eight in coverage and it's not a lot of space to get balls in. Well, therein lies, there comes their screen game, as well as what they did last week, the reverse game, where they're, they're running jet sweeps and reverses and, and short passes to just try to get the ball in their playmakers' hands and have them make yards after the catch, which becomes you know harder, a more advantage of the offense. Did you get an opportunity to see the Pac-12 preseason poll? And what if you did? What do you think? No, I you know I, I I'm I'm not necessarily a, a big fan of um, this whole season because I think everything is thrown off. I I, I mean I support the fact that people want to work and you know kids want to play football. I I, I get it. It's just this has been just a big old cluster bump, if you will, of some teams playing now, then some teams playing then, and some teams playing here. And, and overall, the product that I've seen on college football, guys, I've been extremely disappointed because it's been very sloppy. So I know they want to play and they're going to play. I'm not saying the Pac-12 is going to happen, but from what I've seen of the football that we've seen, I mean, you've seen notable programs look really, really bad on TV at a national stage. And... And it has, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it right now. So you've been watching the Big 12, huh? Because been watching the Big 12, been oh. watching the SEC, been watching the ACC. And I tell you what, a couple of weeks ago when I was watching Miami, Florida State, I couldn't believe that I saw you know, an emblem of Florida State playing that badly. I mean, there were, there were guys that weren't even covered 
running downfield. And I just, <laughs> that's basic. You know, forget about, you know, uh, ability. That's basic. And it's been incredibly sloppy. That, that uh, Oklahoma-Iowa uh, State game, sloppy. And it's not even fun to watch. So, like I said, I'm not really a big fan of the product right now. Oklahoma and Texas, 50 missed tackles and 100 points. Over or under? <laughs> over. I thought you'd say it's that. It's Big 12. Yeah. Over. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln Kennedy joining us right now. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders radio, Pac-12 network football analyst. I'm curious how much, given the times, you get to interact with Raider fans in Vegas on any level, virtual meet and greets or anything. Because normally a new team in town, a new stadium, there'd all be all this hype and enthusiasm. Do you just go into town, call the game in an empty stadium and leave? Do you have any feel for that at all? Well, well, I will say this. What Vegas has happened, because we're doing all of our games from Allegiant Stadium, both home and away, mm-hmm. what has happened in Vegas is Vegas has started to open back up. I think the, the night before the Saints and the Raiders played the Sunday night, the bars kind of opened back up with limited capacity. And there have been tons of fans. I mean, when New Orleans was playing the, the Raiders, there were tons of fans from New Orleans that were out there. There are people. Vegas is still not Vegas what it used to be because of the, uh, you know, of COVID shutdown. There are not people doing shows and stuff like that. But um, it's opening back up. So the interaction, the, the fanfare for Vegas, a new party town, has been on point. Um, what's, uh, uh, you know, what the teams are having to deal with is that, you know, or not the teams, just overall the people can't come to the stadium. At least it's a beautiful stadium. And when it opens up, I think people will be imp- uh, impressed with it. But um, they just can't enjoy the stadiums. But they're doing everything else they can to party. So the other night I'm flicking around, <clears throat> and stay with me here, you'll get my point, is uh, I see Rocky two, so I stop and watch it. And there, Apollo, is they're doing an interview. And he's being interviewed at the gym, and he's being interviewed by a, uh, uh, an actor who's playing a broadcast journalist. Only he is a broadcast journalist. His name is Brent Musburger. This movie <laughs> came out in 1979, and you're working with Brent Musburger, who, if I remember correctly, was sitting on the lounge chair in that famous photo of uh, Joe Namath, which was 10 years earlier than that. This guy is an unbelievable legend. What the heck is it like to work with somebody the caliber of Brent Musburger? It's a constant dreamland because I find myself at the broadcast getting lost in just his voice. Because I've known Brent since. Hey, Brent did a Rose Bowl when I played. I remember that's the first time we actually met. Um, and, And now we're working together. It's surreal. He's a legend. And we, he has, you know, stories of up the wazoo about everything that he's crossed. And last week we were talking about Howard Cosell and, and working with him at the Olympics when the uh, when uh, when the uh, the Carlos and uh, and um, Owens were doing the the, the protest. So you know, it's it, these are things that 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 you can't put a price on because they're absolutely wonderful, and it's wonderful to deal with them. I just saw him in a 30 for 30, I don't know what it was, it was some about football, and they were doing a bit with Jimmy the Greek on, uh, mm-hmm. oh, it was the two Bills. It was the two Bills, 30 for 30. And he was talking about uh, Jimmy the Greek made his pick and, uh, and said, you know, the Giants and the Giants defense and, you know, Bill's the greatest. And Musburger turned around in that trademark voice. He goes, there you have it. From the Greek. <laughs> and I was like, well, there was my flashback for the day. Welcome to the 80s. 
<laughs> very true, very yeah. true. No, it's, it's fun. It really is fun. It's, and, and the thing is, is that it's, it's different for me because, to be honest with you guys, he's taught me so much. I'm such a uh, a guy who watches intangibles like body language, the way players walk on and off the field and stuff like that. When we have to do away games via TV, that's odd for me. I, it's hard for me. I, I'm out of my element. He's been watching monitors for years. He can do it. And there might be a new way of calling games, guys, where you don't have crews go to stadiums. Who knows? We don't know what normal's going to be after this whole thing. But I've had to do several games where I'm just I'm commentating from a TV screen. And that is so alien to me. It feels weird. And, and, you know, but at the same time, learning from him and watching how he does it with such patience and such precise uh, you know, detail to, to his craft, has taught me a lot, especially this year in challenge. If billion dollar corporations have a chance to save money, count yeah. on count on it. <laughs> True story, right? <laughs> Don't get between corporate America and their money. That, that doesn't that, work very that's well. That's for sure, right? Yeah. All right, Lincoln. We appreciate the time as always, and we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy the game. Sounds guys. Sounds good, guys. Be well. All right, Lincoln Kennedy's career evolves, our station evolves. PK, we had him on to talk Pac-12 networks. Now we're sitting here in October and there's no Pac-12 football, but the Raiders are in Vegas and Raider games are on the zone. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, that is kind of crazy when you think about it. Now he's like one of our guys. I know. And he's calling a team, a game for a team that's the closest to us, and we broadcast their games every week on the zone. And I've been listening to him. I think he does an excellent job, and I really love the sound of his voice. And Brent Musburger, Brent Musburger to me is like Vin Scully. He can go back 50 years and tell you personal stories. And he's still, I think Brent's like 80, 81 years old. And if you listen to him, and you listen to him way and ever – 30 years ago, I don't really think there's a sound difference. He still sounds the same. And having this having this guy, it's like Lincoln Kennedy is now our NFL correspondent in the way it's worked. Yeah, yeah. who knew? I've been in the car a couple times for Raider games, and usually I'm, I'm in front of the TV. But for whatever reason, I've been in the car a couple times, and so knowing it's on, I punched it up, and they're a good combination. The thing I like about Lincoln is that he lets a lot of, a lot of color guys are ex-players who are fans, and if something happens, they just start screaming. And yeah. it really frustrates me because I literally don't know what's happening. I've turned on the radio to hear what's happening, and I don't know because this dude is yelling unintelligible. Ah, 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 you know, are you on, did you set yeah. yourself on fire? What, what happened here? You know. And Lincoln lays out, let, let, let's Brent do his thing. And then when the play's over, Brent's quiet, and Lincoln does his thing. And when they break the huddle... Lincoln's quiet and Brent's setting up the next play. It's really uh, it's textbook. I like it because it's how I was taught to do it. Let's be honest. I was taught that this was right 30 years ago and now I listen to them execute it and I know what's happening. And I think you're in the car. Yeah, I I mean, we get it. You're coming home from that three-hour block. We understand. (laughs) DJ and PK, it's 97. Yawk didn't react to that. Dealing with some other things behind the scenes. Okay. All right. Hey, we promised people uh, the Utes at 9 o'clock. Kyle Whittingham. And the coordinators, uh, both offensive and defensive, Andy Ludwig and Morgan Scally. Now, we didn't know how it was going to work week one, and we already had Lincoln set up. So, Yach's been recording it, hoping that it goes on time, that nothing runs over, that everything works out. Yach, 
Is that what you're a little stressed about? Are we having issues in this area? Are we going to deliver the goods as promised? Looks like we should be able to deliver the goods. Kyle, nice. Kyle just wrapped up, so we have all three of them already done. Okay, all right. Well, that's coming up at 9 so o'clock. break so I can go save Stay it. with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Nothing else matters, fellas. Every day we go to work. Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. You gotta go faster, faster! Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day! 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are getting a lot of reaction to the question we posed earlier this morning. An ESPN dude. Who was it, Yak? Anish Shroff. Compared Zach Wilson's leap to that of Joe Burrow. Is that getting out of hand or is that realistic? Uh, number one thing is getting out of hand. Uh, Joe, Joe Burrow's the gold standard, okay? He had to transfer to get on the field. 15-0 Heisman Trophy National Championship. Undefeated through the SEC. Number one pick in the draft. Uh, no. <laughs> we can't go there to that level of hype. I think the relevant question for BYU, and this is the part of the comparison, that's, is he making a leap from, yeah, he's somebody that we scout as NFL people, but so what, to, hey, this guy, what round is he going to go in? Because if you're making that leap, that's not the Joe Burrow leap, but that's enough of a leap that that matters a lot to the future of the BYU program. You know, is he the starting quarterback next year, or is he playing so well that he's going to the NFL? Now, we talked about this earlier, PK, and the one thing that we didn't hit, but I think this impacts BYU players for the next two to three years who have to make this decision. And I don't have any idea what BYU player might have to make this decision in two or three years. But anybody who's a teammate this year and watched Bushman come back to school when he could have gone and tear his Achilles, everybody who watched that is going to be impacted by that. We heard how hard that hit the team, how much people liked the guy and know how hard he worked and know he was set up for a big year. And to go through that, I don't think we're going to see BYU players who have a choice risk it when they've seen this firsthand as part of their college career. Nor do I think we can blame them. So I think anybody that gets the word that they're going to be a draft pick, whether it's second or third day, is going to risk it. I think they're going to go. I don't know about third day. But uh, second well, third day, day is round four or five. You think if Zach Wilson is round four or five, he wouldn't go? No, because I think he'll be much higher than that. Oh, so, so it'll never come to pass. It just won't be an issue. Well, right. if he's much higher than that, then he's gone too. Which is why I do. I think he you is think he's gone. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just playing um, too well, but, and it's going to continue. I mean, BYU hasn't been in that position. They've had very few guys drafted. Now all of a sudden. After three weeks, we got all these guys we're going to get. Well, drafted. I don't know that it's all these guys, whoever it is, and I don't know who it would be. Um, but we saw two guys come back this year, right? I mean, Tonga, Tonga could have gone, and uh, obviously Bushman could have gone. So that, yeah, that's hit and miss, though. I mean, yeah, and it can be. Nobody thinks I'm going to get injured and be done. And and uh, and I I agree with that. But now that they've seen it happen to a teammate, I think that makes it much more real. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe we'll see somebody come back. I was stunned Kyle Van Oy came back when he did. I thought he was gone. But, yeah. So you never know. A bunch of the Utes, they all, they all came back. They all back came back, and, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that's going to be an issue. I, I think for me, if you get the feedback that you're going to go in the first couple of days, go. And Zach Wilson, 
Yeah, I think they're they're it's it's not uh, by any stretch on the same line as Joe Burrow, but the point being of somebody coming out of nowhere to all of a sudden be in a high NFL draft pick. That's a storyline that has been played out many times over, and Zach Wilson is in that storyline. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham coming up next. Stay with us.